Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the In The Saddle podcast. My name is Chris Loder and I am joined by Liz Batchelor and Katie Midwinter as we preview the weekend racing at Sandown and at Haydock. But before we get into the podcast, let's see how everyone is. Liz, I'll come to you here first. How are things with you? Yeah, good, thank you. Booked a, a little trip to Galway earlier this week for the Galway Festival. So me and Katie will be uh, on tour. So <laughs> that should be fun. So that's uh, my next lot of racing to look forward to. Um, but otherwise, I'm okay. Looking forward to this week's action. Well, that sounds very nice. I'm not actually going on that trip. So yeah, um, God knows what you're going to get up to. But yeah, make sure uh, you watch out for them if you see them at the Galway in a few weeks. And how about you, Katie? How are things with you? Yeah, that's a girls' trip, Chris. Um, sorry to disappoint you, but <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, some nice races this weekend. Coral Tips, obviously the highlight. Looking forward to that. Shame there's only four runners, but. Two of my favourite horses in there, Paddington and Emily Epjohn, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, that's definitely going to be like choosing between your uh, children for you if you actually had some. So, <laughs> But, um, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later on in the podcast. So let's get into it then. The first race we're going to look at is the 150 at Sandown. It's the Coral Charge. It's the Group 3 contest. We've got 11 runners here over the five furlong sprint course. Uh, Marshman is your favourite 11 to 2. We've then got Aneth at 6s, Equilateral 13 to 2, Get Ahead at 7s, Equality at 8s, along with Tiber Flow and Bigger are the rest. Liz, we've got a very competitive start here at Sandown. Um, looks quite tricky in my opinion, but who are we going to go with? It is quite tricky and a fair few of these last but only a couple of weeks ago at Royal Ascot and the King's Stand. You've got Marshman finished seventh, Anna finished third, Racel tenth, Equilateral fifth, Existent ninth. Um, but the draw probably played a, a part there. Um, Anaf was a big 50 to one shot there and is showing that he is improving. Uh, and in this particular race, uh, it was won last year by Racel. Um, but I actually quite like the Philly Makarova at an each way price of 16s. Uh, her trainer, Ed Walker, on a great strike weight rate of 37% at the moment too. Uh, she is stepping up to group company for the first time off the back of her listed winner air at the end of June uh, where she won going away after getting a bit stuck for room. She had a great turn of foot and she definitely deserves her place here but this is a tricky race like we said uh, with most of these lining up being against each other's a fair few times with form swapping and changing every five minutes uh, so it'll be a good one to watch but Makarova for some each way value okay liz is going with one of the big outsiders of the race makarova how about you katie are you in agreement you're going to go with one of the more bigger price runners i am going for one uh of, at a bigger price as well i'm going to take a chance on the outsider of the field existent for stuart williams he's finished ahead of many of these in the past and at his best i don't think he has too much to find he is very inconsistent which is reflected in his price, but 25 to one each way. Um, I think that's the angle I'll take here. It's a tricky race. I'm not really confident in any at the top of the market, so I'm going to take a chance on existent. Okay, so we've got two uh, big shouts then for uh, the outsiders of the field. I'm in agreement with the girls. I think the, the top of the market is quite hard to trust. I think Marshman's been quite disappointing 
this season hasn't lived up to his juvenile hype. And Aff, I thought, at the, towards those at the top of the market, was probably the more reliable option. But he's drawn out in the wing and still 11. That's a negative for me. I thought Diligent Harry might be worth a go for Clive Cox and Kieran Schumacher at 14. Was last seen finishing uh, fourth um, in a listed race at Salisbury. But no other than Cardin was in that race. And there was only three quarters of a length between the first four. It was quite a tight race. He's dropping back to five furlongs, which is an interesting move. He's not been over this trip um, many times in his career. Been campaigned over um, six furlongs more. But if he can get, get a nice start, be handy, he might just be able to have enough stamina over this trip to uh, last. And I just bought a 14 to 1. I thought he was a little bit overpriced there. So I'm going to go with Diligent Harry. We're all going with uh, double figure prices then in the opener at Sandown. We move on to the 225 where we go to the Coral Challenge. It's a handicap over a mile. And again, a very never uh, competitive race. Um, 15 runners. And then the five is your favourite at 7 to 1. We've then got Perotto at 15 to 2 along with Uzo at 8. Dutch Decoy at 9, Skeptic at 11, Silent Film at 12s, Intelligent at 14s, Maysong at 14s, Positive at 14s, along with Spirit Catcher and Bigger are the rest. Katie, there's plenty in here you could make a case for. Again, another tricky looking race, but who made your shortlist? I'm going for another one of the outsiders. Another 25 to 1 shot each way. Uh, I'm going to side with Orban. It's difficult to make a strong case for him, really. Um, he's finished way down the field twice at Ascot this season. The Yard currently performing at a 2% strike rate. Uh, most of their runners running below par. And the two David O'Meara runners in this race are two of the outsiders, so they don't appear to be fancied at all. But I just think Orban is a very tough force. He has plenty of experience, and he usually wins when you least expect it from him. Uh, I sort of got siding with him last time out, but I left him. So I think maybe he could be worth siding with now. He's going under the radar. He's a pound higher than his last winning mark. Maybe needs to be dropped a, a few more pounds. But I think each way, he's not a bad shout. Okay, uh, one of the outsiders then, Orban for Katie. Uh, how about you, Liz? Are we going towards the top of the market this time? Or like Katie, with your, with your first selection, going to go with a big price? Um, it is a bigger price, but I've gone for the other David Mara's horse in Escobar. Um, and it is very tricky and probably not one that I'd actually take a bet on. Uh, but es Escobar's caught my eye in that he's back handicapping after running at group level. And he is back to his last winning mark of 107. Uh, and this is a race he has finished twice in in the past. He could benefit from a bit of rain, which is forecast before Saturday. And he does have to defy being top weight. But at 14s, there's definite each-way possibilities, especially with James, Jamie Spencer being booked to ride. Okay, so we've got the pair of David and Mirror horses being put up here on the podcast. I'm not going to go with either of them. I'm actually looking towards the top of the market. I thought Uzo was likely to be there or thereabouts in the money. A very consistent horse, but I don't think he's particularly well handicapped. I think he's handicapped to his mark. The one I'm going to go with is Perotto. Uh, was the subject of a bit of a touch uh, in the Royal Hunt Cup. It didn't quite come off. He was sent off 7-1 to favourite for that. But I actually don't think he ran um, too badly. It was a very runner handicap. You know, he, he was getting um, on terms late on, but I just think, uh, I think you can put a line 
line through that race. Coming back here, he's now £2 lower. They're putting the hood on. Tom Marquand isn't a bad jockey booking. Over the years, it's not been a bad thing to maybe have a low draw. He's installed for, I think he could go a favourite on the day. Like I say, he's very well handicapped. He's won over the course before. I think uh, this strong pace could really suit him. And I think the stiff uphill finish will play to his strength. So I'm just going to go for Perotto to get his head back in front. So that's the 225 covered. We now got the Coral Distaff. It's the three o'clock at Sandown and solicited rate of Phillies. All three-year-olds. We've got 12 runners. Again, a very tricky race. Some handicap form. Some listed form elsewhere. Um, very tricky. Breeze is your favourite at 10 to 3. We've then got Stanton Glider at 7s. Bridestone at 9s. Magical Sunset 10s. Along with Baxidar. Um, Sal, Sal Sabila is 20s. Maggie's Way is 25s. And bigger are the rest. Uh, Liz, I'll come to you here first. I thought potentially... We could get a boil over here. Breach obviously has got that form at Royal Ascot last time, but is drawn out in the car park. Maybe a little bit short. The yard aren't going well. Is that a favourite you want to take on? Uh, yeah, I do. And I actually really like the look of Stenton Glider, uh, which, can I say, is probably one of the naffest things I've ever heard for a racehorse. There's obviously a reason, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know where that's come from. Uh, but especially if the form plays out with Remarquee. Uh, they met in April at Newbury in the Group 3 Fred Darling, where she only finished second uh, by a neck behind Remarquee, and Swing Along was third. Uh, Remarquee finishing second behind Tahira at Royal Ascot on the Coronation Stakes and Swing Along finishing third in the Commonwealth Cup behind Shaquille and Little Big Bear. Now Stenton Glider did run in the English 1000 Guineas, finishing 13th of 20 with Remarquee back in 15th. Uh, then she took a bit of a different route by running in the Group 2 German 1000 Guineas at the start of June uh, where she came second behind Habana where they think the better ground actually suited her. Uh, she's been a bit quirky in the stalls before. Back end of last year she was withdrawn for getting upset but the issue seems to have gone now. But uh, well what a price did you say Chris? I had it at 9-2 to two this morning. A standing glider is now 7-1. to one. Oh, it's gone right out then, uh, <laughs> which might not be good, but she could easily pick up a listed race such as this. And at that price, uh, well, I was going to say at that price at nine to two, but uh, even better if she's sevens. Uh, I think she's a steal, and I'll go even as far as saying that she'd be my nap. Oh, strong uh, words there from Liz. Uh, when uh, when Liz uh, puts her money down, they just drift out, don't they? That's the way it goes. So, um, yeah, Stenden Glider's going to be a nap this weekend. How about you, though, Katie? I thought this was probably the trickiest race we were previewing. Did you like one in here? I'd say I had a strong fancy in this one. Uh, the one that I'd be most interested in is Mystic Pearl, who is around 28 to 1, I think. Maybe, possibly, can run well enough to sneak into the places, but probably not a batting race for me. Okay, um, not a strong opinion there from Casey. I'm actually going to go with one at a huge price here. Maggie's Way for Holly Doyle. Um, she's riding for Willie Muir and Chris Grassick here. Maggie's Way, I think they've kept her for uh, a little bit of ease in the ground. There could be some rain around at uh, Sandown on Saturday. So bear that in mind with your selections. I just think the, the bit of cut that could open up in the race might suit her. She's likely to be ridden handily. Um, Holly Doyle's actually been booked on this horse all week. So it's clear that the plan's been to come here. I just thought in a race that's so muddly, 
if she keeps it simple, goes to the front, she could be quite hard to pass. And I think some of the others, if it was terrain, might not like the ground. So I'm going to go for Maggie's way. We then move on to the feature race of the whole weekend. It's the 340. We've only got the four runners. It's the Coral Eclipse Group 1 over a mile and two. Been a good race over the years. We've got a good field of horses here in terms of quality, but maybe not quantity. But uh, the market looks like this. Emily Up, John and Paddington are your favourites at five to four we then got dubai honor at 12s and the outsider is west wind blows at 25s we touched upon it earlier katie at the start of the podcast emily up john paddington they're two of your favorite horses in training are you going to side with one of them uh, it's really tricky for me to pick one here uh as you said i love both of these horses they're two of my favorites and so i really can't choose Paddington, he's improving, really put down a marker when he won the St. James's Palace Stakes. I didn't expect him to dominate the race as he did. It was really impressive. And he's receiving half a stone from Emily Eptron, who is usually the one receiving all of the weight. Emily Eptron back in trip two. Paddington stepping up in trip, which I think should bring improvement from him. I think there's probably more in Paddington's favour here. But I would never rule Emily Epjohn out. She's a brilliant filly. And so I'm not going to make a decision. I, I oh, love come ones. on, Katie, make <laughs> one. I can't do it. I have to remain neutral because I love both of them. But as I said, I think Paddington, probably the improving one. Emily Epjohn will need to settle for in a race. Will it be difficult? I'm not sure. I, I can't choose. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll make your mind up for you. I'm going to go with Paddington. Uh, St. Mark's Basilica won this race a couple of years ago, an improving type. I don't think he'll mind a bit of rain around if if it did come, so I am going to go for Paddington. We're going to make it another vote for Paddington here, Liz. Stick our, um, yeah, stick I, our money I down. Am. Absolutely am. Um, I did actually quite like Anmat, obviously, as a slight outsider, but he was uh, pulled out this morning. I think he's got a foot abscess, and obviously Luxembourg also doesn't go. So it is disappointing that there's only four, uh, so it's not really much of a betting race. Um, but but Paddington is getting such a big age-related weight allowance. He's still only three. Um, he is stepping up in trip from, from the mile to one, mile two. Um, and as Katie said, that St. James's Palace stakes, uh, he won that fairly easily in the end. Um, but yeah, the way he's been winning, the big weight pull, he edges it for me. Okay, two votes for Paddington and Katie just cannot decide. Don't blame her, really. It looks quite a tricky race on paper, but like I say, I would just go for Paddington. So that's our thoughts then on the main action at Sandown. We move on to Haydock now, where we're going to preview three races there for a good-looking card. The 205 is the first race we're going to talk about. It's the uh, Bet365 handicap over a mile and six. Uh, Rogue Siege, your favourite, four to one. We've then got Pledge of Allegiance at sixes, Banderas at eights, along with Lordship, Chile at tens, Imaginary World at twelves, Galactic Jack at fourteens, Midnight Lion at sixteens, Big R the rest. Liz, I'll come to you here first. You could have a few darts there and still not find the winner another tricky looking race yes um i am gonna go for william haggis's lordship who is looking for a three-timer has he beaten anything decent 
not not particularly they were both class fives but it's the style in which he won the which grabbed my attention last time out at Yarmouth only last week on good to firm with Adam Farrager almost toying with the runner-up if anyone wants to replay that race back although it suggested he could prefer a bit of cut in the ground I think it's currently good at Haydock uh, with some rain forecast but Adam Farrager gets the ride again claiming a good three pounds and this class two could just be what he's looking for Okay, Liz is going to go for Lordship. Yeah, it looks like the, it looks like the potential improve in the race. Um, we know William Haggis is very capable of uh, doing uh, this with some of his horses, improving them through the handicap ranks, and he could be another one for uh, the powerhouse trainer. How about you, though, Katie? Who are you going to go with here? I'm happy to pledge my allegiance to Pledge of Allegiance here. Um, I don't have too strong a fancy, but... This horse was an expensive purchase, spicy the stars. He's proven over these staying trips and he's been progressing well in handicaps. Now running off a career high 83, uh, bidding for a hat trick of wins. I think he's a good chance for an inform Sir Matt Prescott Yard. Okay, Pledge of Allegiance, staying loyal with him. For Katie, I'm going to go with the outside of the field here. Torrell Deloro uh, for Andrew Bolden and David Probert. Now, I think you can put a line through this horse's latest run when he ran at York on quick ground. It was said in the stewards' report after that uh, he didn't seem to handle the conditions. If the rain does come, which I do expect, I think uh, that's going to play to his strengths. He had some good form as a as a juvenile. He looks a stayer, um, really, and he could be like Coltrane in the same colours as Maris Scott. He's, obviously, he's got a long way to go, but I just feel like it's interesting that they've not gelded him yet. They've kept him as an entire... And if he was to win this, he could be a horse that could turn up maybe at the Melrose at the Ebor Festival um, next month. So I think he's an interesting horse, and I don't think he deserves to be 25-1. to 1. I say, if he can bounce back uh, after a disappointing York run, I think he could be there or thereabouts in this race. I think, uh, yeah, like I say, he is massively overpriced. We're then going to move on to the feature race at Haydock, where we go to the 240 to the Bet365 Langshire Oaks for the Phillies and Mares uh, over a mile and a half. Mimiku is your favourite, six to four. We then got Silseek Road at nine to two, along with Arista. Time Lock at eights, Poptronic at 14s, Lusa Cassidy at uh, 16s, along with Peripatek, and bigger are the rest. Katie, I'll come to you here first. Uh, Mimiku um, on form. Looks like she could be a good thing, but I was a bit concerned last time out, though, at York. Would you want to take her on at that kind of price? I'm going to take her on just because there's another filly in here that I really like, and that's Sea Silk Road. I gave her a positive mention before she ran here last month, but I didn't stick with her uh, when I should have, really. And I went with Heimlock, who I think should have performed better than she did. She definitely wasn't on song. Um, so I'm going to change my mind this time and go with Seasilk Road and I guess that's set up for time lock to come and win now um, but uh, yeah I think Seasilk Road she's a very classy filly she was underestimated last time out and she's a group 3 winner now over course and distance so she sets the standard here for me I think she's a really good horse. So Seasilk Road then for Katie how about you Liz are you going to stick with the William Haggis uh, horse that Katie's put up? I am actually. Yeah, I agree with CC Silk Road. Even I can't say it now. Um, yeah, I'm on on the Haggis double um, after my previous selection of uh, Lordship. 
Um, but yeah, pretty much everything that, that Katie said, she showed some good form last season. She came second in that Ribblesdale Stakes at Royal Ascot, albeit they mentioned that she was very immature, which could explain no real follow-up after. And I think Maureen Haggis has said they were disappointed with her run at York in May, where she finished sixth of seventh. But a win last time out and this race seemingly being in the plan all along could play out well for her here. So yeah, definitely see Silk Road too. Yeah, that's the one I'm going to go for, um, making it full house 92. I don't think that's a bad price at all if you can still get it. Um, very progressive filly. Like you say, one well last time out. I think Haydock could be her track. She's, connections seem to do well here with these types of horses. And I just think, uh, yeah, 92, she's rock solid. The yard are in much better form as well. They've not been uh, going too well this year, but the last few weeks there's been more life about them. They're operating at a 28% strike rate at the time of recording. So very much one to watch then in the Lancashire Oaks. We then go to another big uh, race at Haydock. The 315 is the Bet365 Old Newton uh, Cup Handicap and Lacayel is your favourite 5 to 1. We've then got Cumulo Nimbus at 7, Shearox at 8, Maxud at 9s, One Smooth Operator at 12s, along with Tomissian Fox. At Toshu is 12s, Gassi um, at 16s, Nightwood 16s, Sarumi 16s, the bigger are the rest. Uh, again, another minefield, Liz, but are you able to sweep it for us? Um, I was actually stuck between two in Sheer Rocks and Cumulonimbus, who are both progressive, and I keep changing my mind uh, every time I look at one of them. They're both looking for a three-timer. Cumulonimbus likes it at the course, been out twice, won twice, including last time out at June, when in the Class 2 handicap by half a length to live your dream, who obviously came third at Royal Ascot and the Duke of Edinburgh Stakes. He's also keeper the cheek pieces. He's two out of two in those. Um, Richard K Richard Kinscoe gets the ride this time um, but Harry Davis who rode him for his Haydock win said he continues to improve so maybe the £5 raise he's getting for this shouldn't be too much of a test and then there's Sheer Rocks as I said also getting a £5 raise for rise for winning last time out he's been winning his races in quite some good style including a glass, class 2 at Epsom at the start of June he's won both good to firm and all the way up to soft he was actually gelded at the end of last season probably to calm him down and that seems to have worked wonders so if I was pushed I'd edge towards Cumulonimbus uh, which is a mouthful um, but yeah Cumulonimbus uh, for me Okay Cumulonimbus it is for Liz are you going to um, join Katie Liz with Cumulonimbus? Uh, I'm not going to join Liz there <laughs> I was looking at certain lad here but he's been declared for Sandown tomorrow, so unless he's taken out there, I'm going to guess he's not going to run here. So I'll go for Dark Jedi at big price, back off his last winning mark. He's a horse I like, and he often runs well when he is a big price. So from an each-way perspective, I think Dark Jedi could be a decent bet. Okay, Dark Jedi is for Katie. Yeah, I've fallen for him quite a few times. I think he was a subject of a gamble, if I remember, a couple of years ago for this race. But didn't quite live up to it so it'd be interesting to see if the market uh, comes from again this time round um i'm actually going to go uh for one a slightly bigger price here that is to issue uh for johnny peak i'm free riding for roger Fowler and sean murray here um to issue i actually backed this horse when we were at epsom uh, on derby day with katie ran on really well uh, over a mile two was a big eye catcher came from the back of the field that day had too much to do and it's interesting the connections have decided 
to step up and trip. He races off the same mark of 90. He's by Galileo, so you expect the uh, trip to, to suit um, over this mile and a half. I just think he could be well handicapped. He was formerly trained by Joseph O'Brien, but I think there's some untapped potential with him. He's got some good handicap form already this season, and I think he's been crying out for this step up and trip. He's been campaigned over a mile, mile two, and yeah, mile four might just be able to bring out that extra bit of improvement so that's the main racing covered this weekend i know katie doesn't have any other business liz did you have anything else you want to add to the podcast that the listeners should be uh, keeping an eye on no nothing for me this weekend okay nice and simple i've just got one um runs in the 350 at haydock it's the first nursery of the season um always an interesting race uh, i know um i know that john quinn's had a good record in this race over the years but he doesn't have a runner this year uh so i'm gonna look at richard hannon's not a never um who seems to be improving with every start um classic it looks like a classic case of a richard hannon two-year-old ran okay on debut finishing sixth at salisbury caught the eye then ran okay again second at Sandown, but then last time out won at goodwood in a nice little race there's only five runners but i was quite impressed by the way he did it um he's off a mark of 80 here for handicap debut sean levy's but he's by havana gray as well so you would expect him to keep on improving as the season develops i think he could be uh, thrown in on his nursery debut so i'm going to go for him not know that in the free 50 at haydock so that's all we got time for this week thanks again to liz and katie uh for um giving up their time and hopefully we found you some winners remember to follow us on all the major podcast platforms we're available on apple spotify and soundcloud you can follow us on socials as well on twitter and on instagram at in the saddle pod please remember to gamble responsibly and we'll be seeing you again soon (laughs) 